0: How's it going, everybody? This is Christian from the Atari Lynx Game by Game podcast, and you are listening to Greg and Alessandro from the SNES podcast, a.k.a. the podcast for the second best system in the world. Or, well, maybe the first best non-handheld system in the world. Yeah, let's go with that. SNES rocks. Enjoy the show.
1: NES Podcast,
0: with your hosts, Soul Blazer and Alessandro.
1: Hello and welcome to the Super NES Podcast. This is Greg, a.k.a. Soapblazer, and you're listening now to episode 30. Uh, in this special episode, we're going to be talking about uh, Smash TV, originally, uh, which was an arcade game originally, like, originally developed uh, developed and released by Williams in 1990, uh, pointed to Super NES by uh, Beam Software and published by Acclaim in 1992. Um, Alessandro was not able to make this episode because of his uh, real life commitments. He's got a lot on his plate, uh, plate right now with like a work and a, uh, a, work and a girlfriend and a, uh, and uh, doing work and that kind of stuff. Um, so he gave me permission to do a special one-off episode and, a, uh, and a, uh, and a, I was very fortunate to be able to line up a, a guest, a guest host for this episode on very short notice. Um, I'm very pleased to welcome, uh, Christian to the, uh, like the podcast uh, Christian's gonna be hosting the uh, upcoming yet to be released but very shortly, uh, Atari Lynx game by game podcast. So we're always welcome to introduce another uh, fellow member to the uh, retro retro podcasting community. So uh, Christian, it's a pleasure to do this podcast with you and how are you doing tonight?
0: Hey, how's it going? I am doing fantastic actually. A uh, little under the weather this morning because of allergies, but mm. you know other than that, woke up, went to work after that. it's a good day.
1: Yeah, I live in New England, and uh, and uh, last week was terrible heat, but this week found them like back down to more, like to more what it should be in September. So, very, oh, very, yeah, so very very pleased about that.
0: I'm uh, I'm on the opposite side of the country from you. I'm way down in Houston, Texas. So
1: oh, oh god, yeah yeah, but yeah uh, uh, yeah, Austin lives down in Texas, um, uh, uh, Texas also, and also. Uh, like and also Aaron, so I know how hot it is like down there in those parts. But uh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Aaron from the Mercutio's Obscura podcast. He's also been on this podcast before in the past. But um, anyway, yeah. Uh, Christian sent me a message on Facebook several days ago, uh, wanting to to want to uh, um, express his support and appreciation for the podcast and the work uh, like the work we've been doing here. So um, the timing worked out great to be able to have him on to have him on this episode like a special episode. Um, and when he sent me over a, a few games to a few games that he a few of his favorite, favorite Super NES games, I did not need my arm twisted to, to, to talk about this game. Uh, Smash TV is a game I spent a lot of money on, like the arcades back when it came out. Uh, and this is also a game I had the Super NES back then, so it's one we're going to cover sooner or later, so I'm happy to talk about it now. So, <laughs> um, so uh, you were just telling me off mic, uh, Christian, that you're pretty young as far as most of us say, uh, uh, people who have an interest in retro gaming go. Um, so, like, f- 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 like if I'm reading the math correctly, you were born in 1996.
0: Yes, uh, March of 1996 hmm. to be specific.
1: <laughs> so, hi, uh, so you, like, so you, like, so you started playing the Super NES and uh, like other retro systems, like after they were already uh, past their past their prime life.
0: Yes, they were well off their shelf life by the time I finally got my hands on them and. It's it's solely because I have relatives who liked to have newer and better things that I was given all of the old toys to play with.
1: Mm. So, does that include both the Super NES and the yes, like Lynx?
0: Yes, I actually got my so I got my Lynx back in 2001 and I got my Super Nintendo the year after that from the same people, my aunt and uncle. They live about an hour away from us now, but uh they just they the whole family including both of them were very into gaming, so they kept getting new systems and new systems and before you know it they had gotten a Game Boy Advance and didn't need the links and they got a new console and didn't need their uh, didn't need their Super Nintendo anymore, so they gave that to me. So I got both of those consoles before I was six.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's interesting because like you know, I like I had a Tar twenty six hundred fight like, around that same time frame uh, and the Atari's a lot, yeah, the Atari's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to handle, like, to handle, to handle like a young kid than like the Super NES. Oh, like yeah, the Link are. So that's interesting.
0: Oh, but, I, I definitely can remember being young and just, just <laughs> slamming on the buttons, just trying to figure out what everything does. <laughs> um, and you know, keeping it more relevant to this, uh, this episode in particular, I remember Smash TV was actually one of the games that I was given to me. And my parents didn't know anything about games, so I had Smash TV, you know, I had... uh, That's a good thing, too, because that's a very violent game. Oh, (laughs) that's exactly what I was about to say. I flipped on the game, and the first thing they see is, you know, I finally finagle my way through all the the menu screens and everything, and they see the announcer with the two women, and then we start to play the game, and there's blood going everywhere. And, oh, (laughs) needless to say, they took that game away from me for a little while.
1: (laughs) Which you eventually got it back.
0: Eventually, yeah. I think it was about... Two years later, mm. I opened up. Well, it was less given and more I stumbled upon it and ah. took it back.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was lucky enough to grow up in a time frame where that really didn't matter because uh, when I was like an older kid slash young teenager, the most violent games in the market were like Mortal Kombat and Doom and they, uh and the uh, and yeah my parents my parents never really specifically said I couldn't play those games. They didn't approve of them, um, but they, I mean, but they I mean, no, but as long as I stuck my gameplay in, like when they weren't home, like or whatnot, which is pretty easy because I was a latchkey kid growing up, like an own child, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. There really wasn't a big fuss me out of it. Nowadays, though, like forget about it because you know, like you know, I'm always hearing parents try to say, like you know, well, what's the appropriate age, like like f- for f- to be allowed to play Grand Theft Auto or this or that, or that kind of stuff. It's a whole different world these days.
0: So, oh yeah, and it's a totally different caliber of game too. I mean. You know, just the differences between Grand Theft Auto and even Smash TV or Mm. just, you know... It's interesting for sure, but they didn't... They weren't too strict about it for too long. I just thought... I think they figured that that was just a little bit too young to be playing games with exploding people. (laughs) The object is to kill as many things as possible, so...
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, we're going to talk about this later on the podcast, but, you know, like, in hindsight, it's a little bit surprising that this game came over pretty much intact with all that blood and violence uh, in it. I mean, they did censor it a little bit.
0: Oh, especially for the system that it was right. on.
1: Right, I mean, like, you know, this game... Right, this game... Yeah, this game came out before Mortal Kombat and Wolfenstein, and both those games got censored to high heaven. So the fact this came... F- 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 like the fact that this game came out in 1992 with all, with pretty much all the blood and violence intact in the arcade port is shocking that Nintendo would allow that. So...
0: Hey, I'm not complaining. It makes for a very interesting game. <laughs> no,
1: I'm not complaining either. I'm just like you know wondering what the heck the logic is in that. Somebody I think in play, you know, somebody Nintendo at the Play department I think was kind of asleep at the switch uh, when it came to like signing off in this game probably. But
0: yeah, probably.
1: Um. <laughs> um so, what are some of your other like favorite games uh, of like Super NES? Well, this one.
0: There's there's some games that some of my favorite games, not necessarily some of the best games, um, and also some of the pride and joys of my collection. Um, Acro the Acrobat, which is not a, so much a pride and joy of my collection as it is just a game I remember playing so much. Um, that was one of the games I also got with the system, and I just played and played and played, and I still played it. I could probably speed run it and post mm-hmm. videos of it now. I just have the whole thing memorized.
1: That's a that's a platformer, right?
0: Yes, it's a okay. platformer. Uh, okay. You're basically a bat going through a, a circus, and you have all these interesting, uh, you know, hoops and cannons to shoot through, and all of that other stuff. Hmm. Okay. Uh, another game. This is I'm I'm not I'm not here to brag. <laughs> not here to. Uh, you may get a little bit jealous, but I do have a copy of Hagané.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Um... that I absolutely love that game. That game, I didn't buy it. It was a gift. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, they didn't pay as much as it goes for right now on eBay mm-hmm. for that game. But I didn't even realize how much it was worth until about two or three years ago whenever I saw a video about it online. And uh, you know it's it's kind of crazy to imagine that this little cartridge in my hand can you know amass just ridiculous amounts of money
1: not to mention the fact that Super NES uh, game prices like are in a bubble like right now anyway so oh
0: yeah but, i don't you know. plan on selling it though it's just i i i honestly i just like keeping it as as because it's a fun game and also it's just a memento of how you know miracles do happen
1: <laughs> uh, like like those listeners out there who are not familiar with that title because i think it is kind of obscure can you just talk about what kind of game it is like real quick
0: so hagane is a side scrolling i wouldn't necessarily Define it as a platformer. It's kind of like if you took uh, Ninja Gaiden and amped it to eleven. You're a cyborg ninja, and your goal—you have there's there's not a single button on the controller that doesn't do something. For mm. example, you can hold the shoulder buttons and build up a, a do- dodge jump that you can then turn into a super powerful attack. And there's tons of uh, different power ups that you can get and weapons you can utilize. But it is a very brutal game. But it is. It's not the most beautiful game. It's not the most fun game out there, but it is challenging, and it is uh, very, very, very memorable for me, just because of how in-depth that the actual combat of the game can be. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Have you ever played it on emulation or anything like that? Uh, I have not. I heard...
1: Uh, uh, I mean, I've, um, I've heard of the game, but I um but just like you know as, as much as i love the system and the system in the library there's still a lot of games in the system i just you know i just have not either checked out or um or not really spent the proper time on uh which is another reason i wanted to want to do this podcast because it's like a great chance to get exposure to some of the more obscure games in the system as well as the more popular stuff so oh yeah but um uh so what else Like, you have any other like fi- uh, favorites
0: Oh man! Uh, well, obviously, Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that just kind of goes without saying. Yep. Mega Man, those games, you know, they're just fantastic games, and they're on everybody's list for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I think another one, Cybernator. That's a really good game. Yep. Uh, yep, that one got mentioned in a recent episode because it was covering our
1: uh, because another podcast because another podcast to listen to. Uh, one called Our Brooklyn Bites uh, did a pretty like in-depth talk about it recently. So uh, that's a game. That's a game that Alessandro and I need to cover at some point in the
0: future. You definitely should. I would love to listen to that episode. And uh, you know, it just kind of wrap up my list in the similar vein to that. Another game I really like is Metal Warriors. I just saw it on my shelf and mm. just I, it's it's very it's a similar kind of play style to Cybernator if you haven't yes. played it before. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just I really like the the theme and the aesthetics of it.
1: Mm interesting well yeah definitely um yeah that's some pretty uh that's a pretty good list there like if example, um you know kind of ran the gauntlet between like uh, popular like and obscure games so it's always good but they uh, um um so obviously i think because of your age your experience with smash tv is mostly contained to the home version uh but did you ever play this I uh, like in the arcades
0: I have not played the arcade cabinet. Okay. Um, I've played it in MAME. I built a, a MAME cabinet, little cocktail-sized MAME Very cabinet. Very
1: good for you. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was a project me and my uh, my stepdad did, and uh, we built this uh, MAME cabinet. So I have played it on there, twin stick mode and everything. So nice. it is it is a lot of fun. Um. So I can I can I haven't played it nearly as much as I have the Super Nintendo version because mm. I have you know what I – Right. at 19 could be considered nostalgia for the Super <laughs> Nintendo version. Uh, um, so that's the version I typically go to if I want to play the game, but I do have it on MAME, mm-hmm. and it is it is also quite enjoyable. I probably have
1: spent more time on the Super NES version just because of all the years and years I've had it, um, but I definitely remember... Uh, yeah, but I definitely remember when this game came out. Like I said it like, a, like I said earlier, this game came out by Williams in 1990. Uh, we'll talk a little bit so we'll talk a little bit about the people and the history the history of this game in a moment. But I was 14 when this game came out, and I was still hanging out like in arcades because, like you know, even though arcades were past, but even though arcades by this point were past their were past their prime age, there were still a lot of like you know great games coming out at this point. This is before the whole um, Street Fighter slash Mortal Kombat craze started. So most of the games at this point were either a mix of like obscure. Action slash puzzle games or shooters, that kind of stuff, or like older games, uh, like you know, like like my you know, like pre-crash area. So new games, okay. new games didn't come in at new games didn't come in as frequently as they as frequently as, as, like as they would come in, in like in the years after that, uh, after the, the like after the arcade got Second Wind because of the Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat craze. But uh, yeah, the very fact this game. It was new, drawing attention to it, and I fell in love with it like right away. And I just, I spent a lot of money on this game. Uh, oh, I could imagine.
0: Uh, there, I could imagine a lot of continues were used. hmm Yes.
1: You know, this is also about
0: the same time period that the original turtles game came out,
1: Simpsons came out, uh, X-Men. Uh, those were all. Those were all. Those, those were all a, a two or four player games. And, oh, yeah. and, it, and it took up tons of money. if you wanted to finish them. I'm like, you know, sometimes I'll go to the arcade with like 20 bucks saying, okay, today's the day that I'm going to beat X or I'm going to beat Y, that kind of stuff, but, and you'd spend all that money trying to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, actually, you know, you mentioned one that I have played. I don't, Chuck E. Cheese is pretty much dead now, I guess, but when I was a kid, we used to go there for parties and stuff like that. And the, uh, Chuck E. Cheese in the Houston area, there's a, one not too far from where I live even now, but it had a four-player Simpson mm. arcade machine, and that was always that was always fun, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was
1: a great game. But um, um, like so, like so, Smash TV had some very talented people like behind it. Um, so the uh the main creator and designer like of this game, uh, whose brainchild like it really is, like the legendary like Gene Jarvis. Uh, this is a name that's familiar to many retro, retro gamers, because Eugene has a very long history of gaming history and a number of successful games, uh, like the uh, Lantern's Belt. Uh, he was he was responsible for two of the most famous arcade games of all time, uh, Defender and Robotron 2084. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Robotron was the original twin-stick shooter. And you could
0: definitely see the influence that it had. (laughs)
1: Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely, yes. I mean, like, you know, Eugene didn't, like, reinvent the wheel of, like, this game. He just simply kind of tweaked his formula a little bit as far as the game came out. Uh, Eugene also, Eugene also, in the years after this, like, would go on to create uh, the Cruising series. Um, And still making games today. So, uh, very, very talented, like, individual. Uh, The main programmer of this game was Mark Trammell, who, uh, who also has a very long history... Um, like, I'm making, like, both, like, arcade and pinball machines. Um, and one of the artists who, uh, um, one of the artists, the lead artist, like, of this game, uh, is another, like, another famous individual by the name of John Tobias. Uh, who would go on a couple of years later, uh, like, with his friend, like, Ed Boon to create, said to create the Mortal Kombat game. So... Um, very, 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 very famous people uh, behind this game with a lot of, a lot of history and experience, and definitely shows as far as the creation of this game goes. Um, Eugene's always kind of had kind of a, kind of a message in his games. I guess that like you want to dig a little deeper and shoot you, you know, you're deeper behind. Deep deeper like underneath the surface if you look at like the theme you know the theme like of defender for example like, like a theme of like robotron there's always stuff a little bit under the surface with these games and this game's no exception because this game is uh glorifying violence and glorifying um like you know like um you know the whole the whole like um uh like you know buy 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 must have must have must have uh consumer culture
0: Oh, there's just... definitely some strong satire in this game. Definitely. <laughs> Especially the time
1: period that this came out. Um, by
0: 1990, so Oh, for sure. He was he was definitely poking some fun at uh, the way people are and and just the the idea of game shows all together, you know. Mm. You're playing through this – I know we'll get into this more later, but just the fact that you're playing through this blood massacre, and then at the end it's it's all about how many TVs you collected or how many microwaves.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, um, so this game also is, also like Robotron, a twin-stick shooter. Um, I'm sure most people listening to this know it. Like know what twin stick shooter is, but just to summarize it like real quick, it, uh, um, a twin stick shooter is a game that utilizes uh, two joysticks, or yes. like perhaps in today's like parlance, uh, two thumbsticks uh, to, to, to actually control the uh, the game controls. Usually, one of the thumbsticks or joysticks controlling the character, and the other you know, the other one like controlling either the way the gun moves, like or the actual like direction direction boards. You know the boats themselves, and this was in a genius control scheme, like the arcade version, because it's said, because like it, said, because once you got used to it, uh, the controls the controls the arcade version work really really smoothly. It doesn't take too long to pick up the habit the habit of it, and, and it, you know, you're able to get into it, and you're able to really do some like fine tuned controlling on it, because again uses a sixteen way joystick, so you're able to very easily do diagonal shots and that kind of stuff. Um, most people. Most people back then probably didn't have too much exp- uh, exposure with twin stick shooter games because, like I said, there, were like I said, there really hadn't been that many that had come out yet uh, up to this time period, and we wouldn't get the ability to really, to to, to, really, to, re- to really, to really reproduce twin stick sh- shooters accurately at home until the PlayStation DualShock controller came out uh, in '96, I think it was. So, like, like the twin stick shooter concept is pretty. Is pretty common and probably the most popular one out there these days. Like anybody who has played a Call of Duty or or, or, or Halo game or another kind of modern shooter or even some other uh, genres uh, these days, like driving or, or role-playing games, is quite familiar. We're quite familiar, like a classic shooter is. It's a little bit curious that Eugene stuck to his formula with controls. Uh, the, the twin stick shooter co- uh, concept, like for this game, but I'm glad I did because, like I said, uh, like in the arcade, the arcade version, the, the controls work beautifully. The game's very, very smooth, very, very responsive, and it's not really that much of a hassle to pick up on, um, pick up the, to pick up the fine tuning of the controls and play the game.
0: And you know, just a quick factoid: you mentioned twin stick shooters in Call of Duty. There was actually a, one of the Call of Duty games had a zombie mode. I um, can't remember which one, but you actually were playing a very much a Smash TV style of vertical, or above uh, looking down on the character's twin stick shooter, where you would mm-hmm. control their movement, and it was, uh, you actually, quite a, the, quite a few of the weapons are very similar to Smash TV as well, like the grenades, and uh, so just a little fun fact for those mm-hmm. who may not be keeping up mm-hmm. with, it's still alive, yeah. the genre still exists. Yeah. There's plenty of downloadable games that use the same exact system today.
1: So. Oh yeah, the indie games uh, tend to use it like a lot these days um, because, like I say, you know, it's a lot easier now to re- it's lot easier now to reproduce twin stick shooter controls at home. Um, back when this game came out, though, it was um, it was much more challenging to more challenging to try to be able to duplicate the controls set the controls at home accurately enough uh, because, again, this is the early '90s, the, the early '90s before all that took off. Oh yeah. So. The game was very, very popular, and it got a lot of ports. Um, besides the Super NES, it also got ported to the NES, uh, uh, the Sega Game Gear, the Sega Master System, uh, the Sega Genesis. Um, not the Lynx, which I think actually could have had the hardware and the guts to be able to pull this game I, off.
0: I think it could have as well. I really think it would have been a good port. But, because,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the Game Gear had it, so and the Lynx was more powerful so than... You know the Game Gear was, so it is kind of curious this to come out for that. But uh,
0: come on, all... homebrewers, brewers, get on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was also there was also there was also computer versions made for the Spectrum, the Commodore 64, the Amstrad CBC, Atari ST, and Commodore Amiga. Uh, so this game got ported all over the place, and they all struggled with how, and the programmers were the programmers were always port struggled with the same basic question: How do we reproduce the controls of this game at home? Because like I said, back then you couldn't really do that accurately so my first my first exposure with the home version of this game like the nes version of the game uh because i rented it uh, back then and the nes uh and the nes programmers i believe the sega Master system worked the same way don't quote me on that please but i believe the sega Master system had, like had the same options uh it was pretty ingenious just like the nes version you could play the game normally with one controller um and, and just kind of like make do of those controllers that i mean uh, you know, Uh, the best way possible, or if you wanted to, you could also take two controllers in both hands and use the pad of the left controller to move the guy, and the pad of the right controller, like, shoot. So, um, a little bit awkward to get the hang of, but with some practice, practice, just like, get it down, I thought it was a pretty ingenious way of being able to pull it off.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you listen to the Intellivisionaries, but having to use... Having to use the two separate controllers for Tron Deadly Discs. I was going <laughs> to make that example. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I can imagine them feeling the pain right now for all the NES players out there for Smash TV. Right.
1: <laughs> um, I think the Super NES version of the game probably has the best control scheme possible with the home ports oh, because for
0: sure. Because you I have... Was... Uh,
1: sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, I uh, yeah, just... Just to real quick, how the controls work for this version of the game: the pad moves the character, and um, and because of how the buttons are laid out in, uh, are, are laid out in the Super NES pad, you have the four buttons, the A, B, Y, X, uh, like in a very nice um, uh, plus shaped formation. So they just simply have mapped sci- map, so like you know the upper button shoots up, the, the bottom button shoots the bottom button shoots down, et cetera, et cetera. And if you want to shoot diagonally, you hold down both buttons at the same time. So it's a little tricky to get the hang of, but after a few games, it kind of becomes second nature. So I think it's really like a very good control scheme.
0: Oh, it is definitely the the next best way they could have done it after adding two sticks to the Super Nintendo. I mean, mm. that that would literally be the only way they could have done this control scheme better. I feel like it. It. I mean, also it's because I am. I'm. I know it, it has button format, and that's <clears> how <throat> I got used to playing the game. But it is. Definitely not what I would consider a hindrance to the game at all. It works very well. So do you have any problems
1: with trying to, like, you know, master the controls as far as, like, as, far as being able to get the control scheme down? Did you? Uh,
0: I can remember when I was younger, my thumb sometimes wouldn't be big enough to, like, make the gap between the two just right or comfortably, so I would kind of have to, like, move my hand and push down. But, you know, once I got bigger hands, I could just do all the diagonals and move my hands around. It didn't become any problem after that. Mm.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, so yeah. So this version of the game, the Super NES version, was ported to Super NES by Beam Software. That my co-host, uh, Alessandro, wanted to mention uh, was was a company that was based in Australia. Um, so it was a like, so locally made game, like for him, uh, Beam Software is no longer business, but they uh, but they were quite active during that time period porting games to the Super Nes and Genesis and Game Gear. So um, and the games published by Acclaim, uh, which is a very uh, very heavy publisher back in those days. Um, and as far as the conversion of the game goes, it's really a very, very close port of the arcade game. Uh, there are a few differences to, to which we'll talk about here in a moment, but I was surprised, but surprised about the game, just how just how arcade perfect of the game was uh they really you know beam software really did a great job not only with the control scheme but also being able to pull over the whole essence of the game and like we already talked about most of the violence got carried over intact right under like nintendo's noses because they're very heavy in censorship during this time period
0: yeah i i was for sure surprised whenever you know you as as i got older i learned more about how they cut down on mortal combat blood and all of that and some of the other games that had violence on other systems, and they cut down. And this game just seems to, yeah. There's a little bit of polishing here and there. Okay, we'll we'll make the blood splatter a little bit smaller, but it's by no means what I would consider tame. Um,
1: so for those of you out there who have not played this game, uh, the game description is very, very simple. Uh, it takes place. It, t- it takes place in the then future year of 1999, um, and the most popular. T- The most popular TV show right now is a game show called Smash TV, where contestants just basically have to go, like, have to to survive an arena, uh, and to be able to walk out of there alive, you can come out with tons of money and prizes and that kind of stuff. Um, and Eugene Jarvis has said in interviews, they got the direct inspiration for this game, like, from the Schwarzenegger movie, uh, Schwarzenegger movie, um, uh, which came out very shortly before this game came out, called The Running Man, um, which uh, uh, which is a very like, similar premise.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see. I never actually thought about that until right now, actually.
1: <laughs> it's actually a pretty good movie. I, I got knocked a lot when it came out, but it, um, but I actually think it's like, when the, uh, but I think as far as like some of Schwarzenegger's more underrated movies, it's like definitely like one check out.
0: I'm I'm a sucker for all of those old action movies. So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the original uh, Total Recall. You know, commando all those movies
1: <laughs> well do you know about the other, uh you know the other famous uh famous action movie reference that's in this game
0: um I may after you tell me but I'm not aware of any others
1: uh let me give you a hint uh the quote like I'd buy that for a dollar
0: oh oh no 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 don't tell me don't tell me <laughs> oh I should know this oh my 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 stepfather would be would be yelling at me right now I know. Oh.
1: Yes, you should, because it's a classic.
0: I know. I Okay, for the sake of the show, I will take one for the team. Go ahead and tell me, because I would sit here for 30 minutes and try to think of it.
1: Uh, you hear that quote a lot in the game. Uh, yes, and, yes, and it, I know. <laughs> um, and it comes, and it's directly lifted like in the movie uh, Robocop.
0: Rob. Yep, that's... <laughs> we. Uh, I can't believe I just missed that, man. <laughs> well, I guess you could take away my uh, my... Classic movie enthusiast card away.
1: <laughs> so the arcade version had three stages in it, um, and you could play either like by yourself, like a second player, like simultaneously. And the objective was to go through each of the three arenas and defeat the boss at the end. Uh, there was a map. There was a little bit of choice in the rooms that you went through. Uh, sometimes after clearing out a room, uh, you'd have a choice to be able to go like upper. Or- to up or down, for example. Um, there was also there was also a lot of secret items and secret rooms and stuff to find. Um, and if you were able to finish all um, and, and you able to finish all three stages and and also and also meet a set of a set of criteria, which we'll talk about later on, you were able to access the hidden pleasure domes. Uh, that's the end of the game. Um, and originally, the arcade game did not ship with the pleasure domes in, in it because the programmers thought like, oh, this game's too hard. Nobody will ever get that far. You know, we don't have to have it in the game, blah blah, that kind of stuff. Even though the references to the Pleasure Dome in the game still, as far as the game text went. Sure enough, it didn't take it very long for arcade operators to, try to go to Williams and say, "People are complaining about something that's not in the game." So <laughs>
0: um,
1: later versions of the ROM were shipped out then to arcades that had the Pleasure Domes intact. So uh, and this game, the, and the Super NES port does have the Pleasure Domes in it. So um, it, so that's kind of funny, just like you know. Once again, programmers should never underestimate the should never underestimate the tenacity in the players um the skilled players out there.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> we're talking about the arcade players who go for 36 hours to get Cubert records. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh
1: Um so the basic the basic gameplay is pretty easy to get the hang of. Like I said, like I said, you're going through like I said, you're going through like room and room in the map trying to reach the end. Uh, like in each like in each room, you have to defeat a certain amount of enemies, and the enemies come at you. Like the enemy, the enemies come in through multiple directions. There are certain weapons and power ups and power ups you can pick up, and certain prizes there prizes that you can also get uh, that are on the ground. Uh, there's some strategies that are very effective, like being able to survive in the game. Um, so let's talk about those weapons that you can pick up, like here, like real quick. Uh, you, besides your basic gun, you can also pick up in the course of the game uh, a shotgun, a three-way shot, a missile, a mortar, uh, a barrier, a cutter blades, a crush, a, cr- um, uh, a crush, and a run ball. Um, most of those, uh, most of the weapons do just like do what they sound like. The mortar is like your kind of your lobbing weapon that kind of like, shoots up an arc. Um, it's very useful against, like, some of the bosses.
0: Very useful against the bosses. Yes.
1: Uh, the cutter, the cutter blades are, they kind of surround, they kind of surround you like a protective circle, but they also do damage, like, the enemy, so it's kind of barrier, uh, 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 kind of like an offensive version of the barrier, I suppose. Um, the crush is, like, kind of like a one, you know, one-use mega shot, as soon as you pick it up, it, as soon as you pick it up, it destroys all enemies. To, to destroy the foes uh, like on the screen. The rolling ball is a little bit hard. The rolling ball is a little bit hard to, bit hard to, harder to describe. Um, it, if you have the special weapon already, it will use, you know it will like enhance that weapon. It's kind of like a secondary gun. Um, so we kind of get the best result with it, I think, if you combine it with three-way shot. Uh, so the rolling ball, is, the rolling ball is just kind of like a, a way to power up your, your power up your current weapon. I guess is the best way to ex- best way to explain
0: it. That's pretty much how I would describe it. Yeah. Um.
1: So, what's your favorite weapon to use?
0: Definitely the multi shot. Hmm. But um, you
1: mean? I uh, sorry. You mean the three way?
0: Yes, the three way. Yeah. Um. It is. It is. For sure, the most fun. Uh, and it seems to be the same in all of these retro games. Always get the three way shot. You know, Contra. Always get the multi shot. You know, mm-hmm. always get the shotgun. But it's just true. It. It makes things a lot easier, especially if you're single player by yourself. Uh, Mm. The only other one that I would really say um, I like to use, but I don't necessarily think it's the most effective, is the short-range grenades, Um, the standard grenades that just don't go too far. They don't lob as far as the mortar does. Uh, They're they're fun only because of how quickly you can clear out Mm. enemies in front of you, but I don't know if they're necessarily the most practical.
1: Right, yeah, that's the weapon the game calls a shotgun. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with you. The three-way is my favorite weapon to get uh, during the actual game itself. If I can't get that, the missiles also very effective.
0: Yes, the uh, missiles very good for bosses like the mortar.
1: Well, bosses bosses, I tend to favor the mortar the best because the mortar, because of its high arch, you're able to use it to reach certain parts of the boss that you normally wouldn't be able to get at, uh, like right away. So it's, it's, like the mortar, it's like the mortar allows you to be able to do more damage to the boss itself quicker. Oh, Um, yeah.
0: We've got um, lots of things to say about the bosses, I bet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the shotgun's also very good against bosses. Yes. Um, So, uh some of the some of the prizes that you can get in the game uh we already mentioned some of them besides money um which is we're which tons of in the game uh you can also you can also you can also like find prizes all items in the game are only on the screen for about like 10 seconds i think like would you say about like 10 seconds
0: something pretty close to that yeah, yeah.
1: so um so if possible you want to go over and pick them up because uh, because that gives you a point uh like things like the age you know like things age you're on but don't um uh, you know but there's tons of prizes in the game like don't kill yourself trying to uh you trying to make it over just for one prize um the prizes in the game are toasters VCRs uh sports cars which are called speedsters um what else i'm sure i'm missing a couple here uh i those the is,
0: microwaves
1: the, the microwaves micro- yep okay um there's one more prize i think too uh wasn't it remember? Wasn't it a vacation? I think, or something like that, or mm, might have
0: been. I yeah. can't remember off the top of my head.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, kind of funny because like you know, the game came on obviously. Or, you know, the game came obviously came out like. Uh, by 1990 and like vcrs pretty much like a uh, has been by at this point so yeah <laughs> uh, it's also kind of funny to finish a stage of like you know like 50 toasters and, like 60 vcrs it's like how many of these stupid prizes like do you need
0: <laughs> oh it, 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 like we were talking about earlier it is it's definitely poking fun at a lot of mm. a lot of the game shows right or uh, just the materialistic nature in general you know
1: <laughs> right um, the super NES version has two-player mode intact, so you can play with somebody else if you want to. Um, and, and, uh, and there's also three difficulty levels that are in this game uh, to, to help you out. Easy mode is kind of an easier version of the game, like it only has stage one. Uh, but this is like a good, you know, a good version of the game to play when you first start to, 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 to when you first picking it up. You just, uh, I just get the hang of the controls and how the game plays and everything else like that. So, when, you, when you're able to get through you know, the whole the whole stage in easy mode and um, when you continue, then you know you're
0: ready to go on. Um, I would highly recommend playing the game first in easy mode, unless you're very good at twin-stick shooters to begin with.
1: Yes. Normal, normal duplicates the difficulty like the arcade, and for those of you who have mastered the arcade and want to challenge, is hard mode. Which just basically gives you uh, a lot more enemies at, uh, with a lot more hit points, and just like you know, a lot more to deal with.
0: And to uh, you guys, I tip my hats because I still have yet to beat it on hard mode.
1: It's, it's challenging. I've done it before in the past. I probably cannot do it now, but uh, I definitely spent enough time in this game back uh, back when I had it that I was finally able to get the game through in hard mode. So Oh, uh,
0: I've, I've died. It's usually on hard mode. I usually die at uh, the boss that I'm the worst at. The um, Oh, come on. It's the Cobra Heads the uh, cobra heads I die at all the time on hard mode so <laughs>
1: uh, so uh, let's talk strategy like I mentioned earlier there's three recognized pretty much recognized uh, strat- strategies strategies to get through this game um, there is the and I'm going to go through these strategies go through these strategies in like order of difficulty um, the easiest strategy to use especially like when you're, you know, especially if you're especially when you're new to the game uh, like it's called like turtling uh, basically, what this is, is you go into a corner of the room and you just simply just stay there. And, and it's like you know, hold down a diagonal button and just kind of like spray your weapons out, the, the, like out in the directions because you're, because you're protected obviously on two sides. Like you're in a corner, so you only, like you, only have, you only have three directions that the enemies can come at you, so it's a lot easier to be able to shoot them all down. So, kind of cheap, I think. Uh, it's not. Um, it's, it's debatable how much fun it actually is doing this strategy a lot. Um, but uh, but, uh, but if you're trying to learn the game um, or if you're trying to get through a very difficult area of the game it definitely you're definitely effective uh,
0: and if nothing else it's a good strategy just to keep in the back end if you ever feel like you're getting in a position you know a bad position you can always just run to the corner and try to clear them out and then go back for some of the prizes or something like that
1: right uh, the medium the medium difficulty strategy once you get better in the game is, it's like it's a tactic called Wallstra. Uh, you know, just had to call like a you know, wall strafing uh, I think this is pretty effective. I use this a lot. Oh yeah. Basically, basically to do this, like go in a circle around the room, always shooting toward the center, like right in front of you. Um, and you know, since you since you always have a back on uh, it, you know, you, you know, since you always have a wall on your back, it does offer some protection. But because you're on the move, you're able to spray spray your shots around the room a lot faster. Pick up weapons and items like, as they come around to you. Um, and you're able to clear rooms out like a lot faster, uh, so it's pretty effective like most areas, I think.
0: Oh, I, I would agree. It's it's definitely my number one tactic for most rooms. It's also you get way more points doing this than you do through turtling because you're able to pick up all the prizes.
1: But the most fun strategy to use um, is the appropriately called like Insane Maniac Strategy, uh, which is just which so is basically that you're which is basically just what it sounds like you're running around the room like a madman just trying to like you know shoot down this group of enemies run over to this uh, corner shoot down that group of enemies run over to this side shoot down you know shoot down the you know shoot down those enemies this has the advantage of this has the advantage like of keeping the gameplay fast and frantic and it also allows you to, it also allows you to pick up maximum amount of uh, weapons you know weapons items like maximum points it is however extremely dangerous
0: <laughs> oh it, and it is it is very chaotic in two-player if you have both of you just running around all over the place it gets crazy mm.
1: speaking about speaking about uh, running around to two players uh two players like maniacs that's kind of a good segue um the uh, the gameplay handles very very well i really you know i really don't remember seeing any slowdown uh like this game uh some, some really super NES titles did suffer from slowdown issues um but even with two players with a lot of enemies on the screen I don't remember there being any flicker or any slowdown or anything. The game handles everything very, very smoothly, I thought.
0: Yeah, I was playing it uh, earlier before uh, getting onto the call, and I you know, I wasn't playing two-player, but I didn't recognize any slowdown at all.
1: Because in some rooms, you can have as many as, like, would you say, oh, I I, I would say in some rooms, especially, just, especially Stage 3, you could probably have as many as, like, 40 enemies on the screen, like, yeah, at once. Well,
0: I was going to say 50, 40 to 50 enemies. Yeah. This,
1: so we can get like pretty frantic.
0: <laughs> instead of a bullet hell game, it's a monster hell mm-hmm. game.
1: Yeah, this is definitely a fun game to you know, a fun game to pick up. Uh, if you know, um, you know, we'll have our closing thoughts here end in the podcast. But, um, but if you want like a you know frantic, a frantic old school style arcade game, I mean, I mean, minus the graphics, this game feels like it could you know, to, to minus the graphics, this game feels like you know, feels like it could have come out like ten years earlier. Uh, just because of the whole like uh, gameplay mechanisms, uh, mechanisms involved in it. So it's definitely, so I would definitely consider it to be a classic arcade game. Like you know, it came out somewhat late uh, as far as like, you know the golden age of arcade games goes. I
0: could I could understand that, yeah. Um, so um,
1: the conversion of the game to Super NES, like we already mentioned, very very good conversion. Um, the difference is. Uh, the three major differences I noticed uh, I noticed was that the graphics the graphics and music were downgraded a little bit because the super NES hardware is not quite as powerful as the arcade hardware was uh it's still very very good hardware the graphics still look very very good like we super NES title I think um the music the music's there the music's the same tunes that the arcade the arcade game uses it, they uh, they've just been remixed to sound a bit different so um and some of the sound effects play different times in different areas of the game, the Super NES version as opposed to the original like arcade version. Uh, but most of the arcade uh, um, sound effects uh, and voices and everything like are like are in here. I was really surprised when I got this game. It, it just how close to the arcade it was because there's so many voices and sound effects in the game. I wasn't expecting that to ha- you know expecting that uh, just to have this game. Play as well as it does with with I'd say about ninety five percent of the voices and sound effects intact and the music and everything was really very, very very impressive.
0: Oh yeah, that was whenever I played the game on Mame. That was one of the first things that I recognized. You know, I expected there to be even more audio and uh, more talking, but they just did a really good, good really good job of taking the audio that they had and transferring it over to the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Granted, there is more compression, obviously, you know, it's a Super Nintendo game, it's not as vast as an arcade could be, but they did one heck of a bang-up job on this, for sure.
1: Yes, and the violence was toned down a little bit uh, in this version, not as much as it could have been, especially, you know, especially considering Nintendo's policies the policies at the time, but uh, the major difference I noticed with that was that there's not quite as much blood in this version as there is, like, uh, I uh, you know, with, like the original Arcade version. That's that. That's especially most noticeable with like some of the bosses. Um, oh yeah. Um, and yeah. also, and also some of the gore, of the bosses, which also, with, like was also, with, with, like was also taken out. Uh, for example, I believe it was, which we'll talk about the bosses here in a moment. But which, but was it the second boss that had like big eyes that you had to like shoot out uh, to be able to? You know, it was one of the many parts to destroy him. I think.
0: Oh, uh, the second boss. Yes. The...
1: Scarface, right? Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like in the arcade version, his eyes are like literally. Like, flip the arcade version, uh, when you're attacking his eyes and get, get enough damage, like his eyes like literally explode, um, and they don't do that in the Super NES port. So, um, they- well, they do, but not quite as graphically violent as they were in the arcade version. Yeah. That's what I meant they- to say.
0: They took everything from the arcade version, which you could say is like a 10 on the SNES violence scale, and just turned it down to like a 9, eight and a half. You
1: know? It's definitely it, the most violent... <sighs> I'd probably say this game's more violent than Mortal Kombat 2, honestly.
0: Oh, uh, for, I, I would say so as well. Just, if nothing else, for the sheer quantity of death and blood that goes everywhere.
1: But it's all like, portrayed in this very like almost sickening over-the-top cartoon... Cr- Cartoony comic style, which is even more like hilarious when you think about it.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I could totally see where you're coming from with that.
1: I, I mean, like you know, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, because the overall theme of the game, like we talked about earlier, like is crazy because, like, because like you're playing a contestant on a game show, mowing down hundreds and hundreds of robots. What well, we think of their robots, they could be humans, like as far as you know, but, but, but let's get them. Should, should have been out of the doubt, like they're robots. Yeah.
0: You're,
1: you're, mowing, you're mowing down hundreds and hundreds of of, of robots, taking out these bosses, uh, these bosses in like these huge gory blood fasts just you know, just to be able to get like sixty toasters. You know, like you know, like mad guns and violence and everything. Just like you know, um, like you know, the announcer, the catchphrases, the, the catchphrases that he uses, and like those, I'm um, having like those. He, you so have like two scantily clad blondes like hanging off of them, um, and it's like you know, you know the kitchens themselves like they're wearing um, very similar to American gladiators, which is also like very popular, um, you know, this time period. So um, another
0: thing, another thing I did notice that they didn't have in the Super Nintendo version that I noticed in the arcade cabinet is that the uh, the announcer has some wandering eyes there in the arcade version. Yes, he does. <laughs> He, d- he doesn't do that in the Super Nintendo, but he's he's definitely, uh, he's you know, he's getting some eyes down down in there whenever he's uh, in the arcade version.
1: Yeah, again, that seems...
0: And that's such a subtle right. thing to remove, too. You know, it's not by any means... Like, if you weren't looking or hadn't noticed, you know, haven't played the right. game a million times before, you may not ever notice, but that's one of the things they chose to remove.
1: Yeah, plus the whole scene with, like, the announcer... You the announcer and um, the two gorgeous women like on the sides. Just, just, like it's like, also like it's also like it's also shamelessly ripped off from RoboCop. Also, so um, there's some dark comments going on here, definitely.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. So, like, let's, let's Like, let's talk about the bosses, like, for a little bit, because the bosses are definitely the most challenging part of the game. I mean, oh, like, for sure. I mean, like, you could be feeling pretty good to get through the. You to get to like Arena One. Uh, without, 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 without without too much hassle, but then you come into, uh, but the you know the boss fights are very very difficult. Uh, I've been the record before and saying this podcast that I'm a big fan of bosses that you damage in parts. Uh, you know, like anything, you know, any game that has a boss that you have to, like blow apart in sections, a bit by uh, bit by bit that show damage and wear and tear as you like wear it down little by little as the boss fight goes on. Like I'm a huge fan of it. I love that in games. Uh, like you know. Any, like 1943 and UN Squadron and
0: Panzer
1: yeah. Panther Dragoon uh, Orta. Those all do that beautifully. And this game also does it shoot, does it a great effect. Do uh,
0: you like it because it makes you feel like you're starting to get the upper hand or you have some sort of progression on the boss?
1: Uh, I'd say both. Um, you know, it both gives you a sense of satisfaction that you're making progress on it. It also kind of gives you a sense of it uh, it, it also really betrays how, how big and massive and difficult that the boss is. So, um, and it's also it's also a good benchmark for how much progress you're making, like taking it out. And, and it's also a huge boost your ego when you finally do, do, do when you finally do take it out, because you're like, hey, that was like a 10 minute boss battle, which I had to, you know, wait, you know, destroy say like 12 sections of it, you know, like that. And you know, I, and you know, like I only die twice. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> instead of him just exploding all at once, you really feel like you, you he, he earned that defeat. <laughs> mm,
1: definitely. So, um, so let's talk about the strategies and the and the boss themselves a little bit. Uh, do you want to talk about the first boss here?
0: Uh, you know what? I'll let you go ahead and talk about it.
1: Um, I don't remember what the proper name of this guy is, but he's just basically kind of like a big. The name
0: is Mutoid Man. Mutoid,
1: yes. He's basically a huge head with these two massive guns, of, like in his arms. Uh, and he also has a big long tongue, which he uses later on to. Juliet on the boss fight, and the um, and the uh, strategy for him is just kind of just strategy for him is just kind of try to stay out of range of his weapons, uh, stick and move a lot. You know, stay on the move, pick up the weapons as they pick up the weapons as they come. Uh, try to take out his guns first because, like you know, uh, those guns are very very powerful and they cover like a wide area of the screen. So once you're able to take out the guns, the fight gets a little bit easier. Um, then you take out the arms, and then finally, if attacks tax you by by using a tongue attack, where he takes to where he lashes out his tongue and like a, and like about a whole storm, of like small tongues lashes out at you. So uh, you definitely want to stay out of his front when he's doing that. And if you can, if you get the mortar to lob shots onto his head, that's definitely the most like preferred way to, to be able to inflict massive damage on him. So um, this is a pretty tricky fight. I think actually this fight's probably more difficult than the second boss actually. Uh, um, I
0: would I would say so for sure.
1: Um, anything you want to add on to that little, uh, boss discussion?
0: No, you, you pretty much summed it up. Uh, I do like, uh, I do like though, if you, do you, if you've read the manual before, there's a, there's an excerpt, I think it says something to the effect of just remember armless isn't harmless. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, cause I feel like a lot of people would go through this and blow off his arms and say, okay, the worst part's over, but no, you, you're just getting started.
1: Mm-hmm. No. Oh yeah, definitely. Um,
0: so boss two, uh, like what was his name again? Scarface's boss too. Okay. This is, this is in my opinion, the easiest boss. I, I just I will go out on a limb and say that um, the biggest strategy that I use, which most people use, is to get the mortar as fast as you can and start lobbing those directly into his face.
1: Mm,
0: yeah, he's he's just this giant floating face uh, with this metal barrier around him, and if you try to use traditional. Weapons, you have to destroy all of the barrier before you can start actually doing some real damage. But if you get the mortar, you can basically skip that and just start hitting him in the face over and over again. And it will take multiple, multiple, multiple mortar power-ups for you to get through that. And then, once you finish that, there's a second phase where it's him as a skull flying around. And after that, um, you can use a similar strategy to hit him in the center of his face, damage the eye sockets, the jaw. Uh, And he has a similar thing to his metal shield with his outer skull.
1: Hmm. Yeah, um, and stage three uh, actually has a um, oh, what's the best way to describe this? There's actually there's actually like a regular boss and a secret boss uh, depending upon like you're, you're depending upon a whole set of criteria as you go through the game, and we'll talk about this here like in a moment. Um, but the um, I'm so used to getting the but I'm so used to getting the MC announcer as the final boss. I'm not really quite sure what the what the new, I, I can't I can't quite remember like the normal def uh d, defect boss of stage three is. It's not still him, is it?
0: It's the Cobra heads. The Cobra heads,
1: yes. Okay. Oh
0: God, the Cobra right. heads.
1: See, I haven't like faced those guys in a long time because I'm always, because by now I'm still used to being able to get the requirements like to go to the Pleasure Dome. Um, but in the final, you, you're the final secret boss that I really don't. But, you, know, like, you know, I really don't remember facing these guys like too much.
0: I as, as I mentioned earlier, the Cobra heads are are I, I won't I won't say they're the hardest. They're just to me the most unpredictable mm. because of the way that they move. Right. And the only reasonable strategy that I can come up with is is essentially to you can't really turtle because of the way that these two heads move around mm, and they yeah. sweep across the entire play field. And so the best thing to do is to just get. In my opinion, is to get the rocket launcher, dodge and weave, stick to the wall, so you know that a head's not going to come from behind you and just start shooting them with the. And it's a long, hard, exhausting. You're down four lives, fight. But it has always been my worst boss, and I try not to use online guides or anything like that for hints. So most of this stuff that I'm talking about is just all from trial and error and. I haven't really come up with an effective strategy, and that may be the effective strategy. Pick up the rocket launcher and shoot him, but, you know...
1: That pretty much works for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, no joke, yeah.
1: Um, I actually think, as difficult as his boss is, and you're right, he is very, very difficult, I actually think that the evil MC is actually the, he's actually the hardest boss of the whole game. Because this is a real you-know-what to be able to take out. To um, even get to him. The requirements for getting to him like, are pretty difficult.
0: Do you want to go ahead, go through those before we talk about the boss?
1: Yes. Uh, to get the Pleasure Dome, it's a whole. I know mean, you have to. So you have to. You, so you have to unlock a whole bunch of criteria, uh, which all happens like in the third. You in the third area, you have to. Uh, first of all, first of all, you have to go to all three secret rooms. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. There's one. You have. You have to access each secret room, like in each area. Each area has a secret room that you can access. Um, it does show on the map, right? I, th- um, I-, I think the map does show the secret room.
0: Yeah, it's just it's not in the way that you're normally supposed to progress. So. Right.
1: So you have to go through all three secret rooms like in the game. Uh, that's your first requirement. You have to pick up ten keys uh, as you go through the game, um, and you'll know if you have ten keys because there's a room in the third area. Like all the rooms have, you know, all the rooms have names. Uh, and they're pretty cute, comical names for most of them, too, I think, actually. Uh, we didn't talk about that, but some of the rooms have create yeah. very creative, funny names to them. So um, you'll know right away the room I'm talking about, because if you have enough keys, the room will be called, you have enough keys. If you don't have enough keys, they're going to be called... like. So if you don't have enough keys, then that's what be called. So.
0: And um, when you're collecting keys, just remember there will always be a ton of monsters standing on top of them. It never fails. Never. Yes. They're never. They're never in an easy to get to spot. I, at least for me. <laughs>
1: right. Um. So after, Um. So. F- 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 once you get in that room, you have to. So once you get in that room, you have to collect at least one more additional key in that room itself. Uh, if you're able to do that, take the South Gate to be able to reach the pleasure dome. Um, then you have to then you have to go through a pretty easy uh, a pretty easy fight. There's not really the, the enemies in here really aren't all that difficult. Um, collect like that question mark, which is actually question mark number four. We'll talk about question marks here in a moment. We get the question marks unlock something else entirely different. Um, but you have to uh, but to get the pleasure dome, you do have to get the question mark here. Um, and then finally after that, you get to go through and face the final boss of the game, which is the evil MC. So you beat him, and you get to go to the Pleasure Dome.
0: And do you have any strategy for the MC?
1: Stick and move. That's the best yep. thing I can tell you. Just simply <laughs> run, a, yeah, yeah, run around like a madman and just pray for better weapons.
0: <laughs> that's Yeah, that's pretty much what I was going to say. I was just curious if you had any... Uh... Any insight on on that fight? But that seems to be the general consensus. Everybody just runs around screaming, trying to kill him without dying.
1: He is. He reminds me a lot. His attack patterns are really kind of a more, uh, uh like a more complicated, like, uh, like a, like a man, I think. Just in kind of amped up to the tenth degree. So yeah. I think I think a lot of the same strategy and tactics that you used for the. the that you use Mutoid Man are effective here. You just got to be a lot more, a lot more on your, a lot more quick to dodge his attacks, and um, you got to be a lot more patient. And oh, he's to, yeah.
0: He's nowhere near as slow as, and Mutoid Man wasn't necessarily slow, but this mm-hmm. he's way faster than Mutoid Man.
1: And yeah, but you know, um, as long as you have enough like lives built up, it's not really like this possible. Could this possible to beat him like about cheating? I um, I haven't done it any time recently because I have not played this game for a while until this week, and my skills have degraded, unfortunately. But I definitely remember back in the day when I had this game, uh, I definitely was able to get through him. I think my record was being it to beat him only losing like f- – only dying like three times. So uh,
0: – I think the one time I beat him on normal was uh, – was I had no lives left afterwards.
1: Yeah. But the reward for going through all that is being able to get to the secret pleasure dome, which is just which is which is just kind of basically the equivalent of like a huge treasure room from Gauntlet. You just basically get to run around and pick up stuff.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> but, all uh, the points.
1: Yep. Yeah. So um, I mentioned I mentioned the question marks earlier. The question marks are, the question marks are in the game because they unlock another feature of the game. Uh, they get to um, there are five secret secret question mark items uh, that are in the game. Um one of them's in level one, one of them's in level two, one of them's in level three. Uh, one of them is I mentioned like I mentioned you have to pick up like in a way to get you have to you have to pick up like way to the pressure dome. And the last one the like, last one you get to, you know, the last one you get like they like, 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 have to be in the final boss evil MC. Um if you play, uh your reward for getting all five question marks is, like you're unlock like turbo mode. And turbo mode is basically the game on steroids. It is, it is frantically frantically crazy, frantically fast, frantically, fr- frantically nuts, is the best way to describe it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've said I tip my hat to those who are on hard mode, but I've, you should just already go ahead and plan your funeral if you plan on playing <laughs> it on turbo mode.
1: Um, there is a way to unlock turbo mode in the game, however, right, right, uh, right from the start without having to go through all that, like Ring of Malori. Um, this is a nice segue into the, like, in the, like, in the cheat codes and tips. Cheat codes. Yes. Um, like, you're familiar with all these cheat codes, because there's, like, five of them all together. Do what? Uh, there are, there are, there are, there are, there are five, there are five cheat codes in the game all together. Like, you know, Oh, you
0: asked, yeah, you asked yeah. me if I was familiar with them. Yes. Well, there's the cheat code to unlock the, uh, the turbo mode.
1: Right, and to do that... But they do that on the player, on the player selection screen. You push left, right, left, up, R, R, and then stage select. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Stage select is another code. Dupa. Yeah, just like give it away. Um,
0: <laughs> so did you
1: know about the stage select?
0: Yes, yes, I did know about the stage select.
1: Okay, that one is right, right, up, down, R, L, and start. Uh, these are on the, uh, these are on the, yeah, these are all like on the uh, player select screen, by the way.
0: There's one I know by heart. That's the sound test mode, mm. and that's uh the player sex the player select screen or the skill select screen yep. you just do left right left right or left right left right left right no yeah that's it left right left right, and then that's the sound test mode yeah i actually have it written down as I've written down as l r
1: l l r
0: is it l r l. l. r
1: yes what, what? But you may be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I,
0: I might be. I have to wait. I have to crack open my console No, No, actually, I think you might be right. Yeah, L R L L R. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. The code you should have known back then was the extra lives.
1: Was the extra lives? Was the extra lives and the extra continue code? Did you know about this one?
0: Oh, extra lives and extra continues. Yes. Oh yeah, down up L R up. Yep, you got it. Um, there's also the kill all enemies.
1: Uh, code, uh, which is if you... Um, that one
0: I don't know. You
1: have to enter the stage select code first. Uh, okay. Then we, uh, then we start the game, press and hold select, uh, and then after a couple of seconds, like, uh, after a couple of seconds of doing so, like all i like i it in the screen,
0: like, I'll go boom. Does that work on the bosses as well?
1: And you know, I don't know. I've never tested it on a boss.
0: Hmm. Uh, that's something I'll have to try after this.
1: And the last code is a pretty minor one. The last code... Uh, the last code is just to access the credits. Uh, this one you have to do like the beam software logo is on the screen present hold lR and b um, and that'll show you the credits okay
0: yeah so, that's one I didn't know either
1: <laughs> no, no, it's pretty like minor code um, so um, yeah um this game this game uh, this game is definitely a great super NES game. I, I gotta be honest nowadays nowadays I still love this game. But nowadays, like if I want to play it, um, I, I you know, I play one of the later re-releases because this game has, called, because the game has also come out several times. There were several, like, several Midway's uh, arcade collections over the years, um, and, and there was a version of it. I still have the version. It's it, 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 like, unfortunately been delisted. Uh, the game was also available on uh, like Xbox Live and the PSN, like for several years.
0: Have uh, you, have you played the PlayStation 2 Midway Collection with the? Super uh, with the Smash TV on it.
1: Yes, I have. I, um, it's not a, it's not a perfect port, but the fact you're actually able to pull off the, to you know, pull the dual stick controls perfectly, like it's very nice.
0: I, I honestly, I feel like the Super Nintendo version is is much better than the PlayStation 2 Midway version. I would
1: agree with you that the Super NES um, version of the game is a little bit better. However, I think the However, I think the go to version of the game, which unfortunately you can't do these days, uh like the Xbox Live one, because that straight port of uh, like the arcade game, uh it plays just like the arcade game, and the Xbox 360 controller is really, really well suited like for this kind of game because of those like you know, like twin uh I mean, twin sticks that are already on it. So it sort like, controls and plays very, very well. Unfortunately that's been delisted.
0: So, yeah, that is unfortunate.
1: Um but there is a version of the game available. Let me check real quick here. Uh, the most recent version of the game, the, the most recent version of the game, which has come out, uh, was the was the was the Midway Arcade Origins uh, 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 collection in 2012 for the modern systems. So um, I imagine that one plays like plays very well. Also, I've not played that one myself personally.
0: Yeah, um, I haven't either.
1: Uh, but given how new it is, I suspect it's. I know but given how new it is, and the fact how it uses like modern controllers, like a modern um, twin sticks, I suspect I, I that version plays very, very well. So um, all things considered though, as kind of like, you know, closing thoughts. Um, this game really impressed me with how well ported over, like you, you, you ported over like an arcade. Uh, like I said, you know, this is not the version of the game I play anymore these days, um, but for many, many years, uh, I played the heck out of it. This is still a very, very good version of the game. Once you get used to the controls, um, and really the lack of, and really the lack of twin stick sh- uh, shooting ability on the Super NES is really the, is really the only major drawback, drawback to this game. Um, once you get used to the controls, the game really plays and handles extremely well. i mean like, you know, if you are not playing this game like for whatever reason, and you enjoy old school um, action, action slash shooting arcade games, you can have a ton of fun with this game. Uh, it's totally over the top, totally like totally funny, like totally, uh, you know, like I said, you like mentioned earlier, it totally makes fun of like you know violence and co- uh, 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 violence and like rampant consumerism and that kind of stuff, and like it, it, it just and just, it just wicked fun to play, it, it, you know, especially with two-player mode. Uh, it, it's a real blast to play with somebody else, see if you can get somebody else over.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean. I, I would go as far as to say that I think if you own a Super Nintendo, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't own this game. It, it is a very good game, and it's not terribly expensive either. Uh, I haven't checked prices recently, but I think the last time I was looking, they were around like $15 to $20 per se.
1: Uh, I have the E-day pricing here. That's a nice, That's a nice uh, segue over. Um, car prices, yeah. Car prices Car price are pretty close to that. Um, the games commonly... the the. the, the uh the games commonly listed there were uh there are uh, three copies currently listed as of several days ago and 95 copies that recently sold if you want the cart by itself the prices include prices the prices which include shipping range is sold anywhere from 14.50 to 28.75 uh so so a little bit pricier for super NES cart but not that bad uh, oh it's,
0: it's a game that i would definitely yeah. say is worth the twenty dollars though
1: uh if you're a collector like I want to complete CIB copies can run anywhere from 30 to 75 I'll fight with 70 bucks Um, again high but not outrageous I've seen a lot of Super NES games that go for a lot more money than that
0: Uh, Chrono Trigger
1: Uh, yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) Um, or like you know you mentioned Rare Games earlier uh, Wild uh, Wild Arms which is another game we covered earlier uh, like in a past podcast that also goes for Mad Money because they're kind of like a rare game also these days so, uh, that game's, that, that game's, that game's more offensive the Chrono Trigger, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, there is not a sequel to this game, officially. Um, uh, Jarvis was interviewed by saying that he, um, like, you know, both he and Tremel wanted to make a sequel to the game, um, because the game sold very, very well, uh, both in the arcade version, like, an also, of, like, and also of, like, home ports, um, but, but, like, move, uh, but management wanted to do something, like, a little bit different so there's a pseudo-sequel to this game uh that was uh, uh that was also uh designed and created by the same people like jarvis and uh by jarvis, jarvis and Tremel that came out that came out the following year uh 91 called total, uh and the name of that game is total carnage um have you played this game no i haven't played
0: total carnage actually
1: total, total carnage is very similar to smash tv in a lot of ways uh, it uses the same engine uh, of like the game, so it looks like the looks and sounds and feels a lot like Smash TV. Uh, the basic uh, the basic plot of that game is that it, like that it's also set in the future and it's set in a fictional Mideast East country where a bunch of um, uh, like a bunch of media have uncovered a "Quote unquote baby milk factory" that's actually like a front for like a uh, a secret weapon weapon production and a uh, and high grade mutant breeding uh uh, uh facility. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like it's, <laughs> um it's dr- it's, dr- it's dr- fun reminiscent the Gulf War because like you know like uh, like yeah. Saddam Hussein had claimed that had claimed that one of the weapon factories was actually like a baby milk factory. So uh like so again Jarvis is poking is poking some fun at uh uh. Like, then, current events. Um, and so, we have to go out this general, this general, uh, and so, we have to fight the general of the game, switch so name, like, you know, like, general, like, uh, I believe it's pronounced like, you know, Aktooboob. So, um, it's 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 even more over the top and more hilarious and funny than smash tv is i mean like you know there's there's sound clips taken from like you know like numerous tv shows and movies um there's like these these comical completely out of the blue sound clips uh, of voices voices in the game um there's messages that appear in the game for example for example um the basic gameplay of the game flows very similar to smash tv where there's like three stages of and you have to go through the game. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's also like it's also like like it's also like a uh, top-down view, but it's also a little bit of force scrolling in the game, also. Um, and uh, you just have to go through the stages, trying to fight off all of the enemies and collect items. Again, uh, like, again, very similar to Smash TV. Um, there's there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor and a lot of like blatant over-the-top humor in the game. For, like, for example, there's a message, how do you finish the first stage? A message, a message, a message comes up on the screen that says like. All Smash T V players like should run screaming in terror like this machine right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's also a message at the second stage which shows you like a map of the game, um it's like, it's, like it's a briefing and you know part the, and, and the first part of the briefing is like, you know, okay, you have to like you have to you, you have to get the factory and you know, factory and find the cat um go break the factory, find the general to defeat him. It's fun Funny that it says like, you know, like um, um Slend, slend of that there's some other uh joke messages like you know like you know uh, one of them says like you know midway rules one of them says like i uh, you know like you know bulls are uh bulls on top of the nba uh pistons will rise like the top of the nba some like someday uh, someday soon uh blah, blah blah that kind of stuff so it's, 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 it's like something more over there like over the top hilariously humor funny than smash tv is
0: yeah uh, and and I was gonna ask you, is that is that arcade only, or was that?
1: There is a Super NES port. This game okay. was not. Uh, this game was not as popular as Smash TV was. Uh, Jarvis, uh, Jarvis in that same interview said that said that they only sold two thousand copies, like the arcade version, actually Ooh. of this game. A um, uh, uh, Jarvis, the uh, like Eugene Jarvis uh, who designed this game, like so it was of Smash TV, uh, they only sold apparently two thousand copies of the game other in the arcades. So it wasn't quite as popular as Smash TV, but there were um, so for that reason, there weren't as many ports of the game made, but there, but there is, a, but there is a Super NES port, and that version of the game is also very, very close to the arcade version. I'll so, have to
0: see if I can get my hands on it.
1: And there's also, and the ending also references fast TV in a way because, like you know, there's also pleasure, because there's also Pleasure Dome in this game that you can also access, access like if you collect enough keys and if you manage to get in there after Pleasure Dome. The ending shows the two, the two soldiers from, from. The, from the Total to Carnage, uh, in a room with the, you know, in a room with the two um, contestants from Smash TV, and then it's like you know this room sitting on, you know, sitting on thrones like, you know, sitting on thrones like treasures around them, these scantily clad babes like all like wrestler,
0: like, yeah, and <laughs> that
1: kind of stuff. So, it's like so great Smash TV reference there in the ending.
0: So, oh yeah, that sounds like it.
1: So yeah, yeah, yeah. If you like Smash TV, Tow Carnage definitely worth like checking out also.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I'll have to, I'll have to get it.
1: Um, so yeah, uh, Smash TV is definitely like a very great game. I think most people probably, probably have probably at least heard about the game. Um, as long as you don't mind some violence, but even the violence in the game is kind of presented, you know, presented in a very like cartoony, comic, over the top way uh, as opposed to, like say like Mortal Kombat or that like, kind of stuff. So um, you know, I agree with you that six year old probably should not be playing this game, but anybody you know. I know, but anybody older, you know, definitely appreciate the time and cheek humor and that kind of stuff. And you know, especially, especially like you're you, you, especially like you're a fan of like of Gene Jarvis, like you enjoy playing like Defender or Robotron Twenty Eighty Four. This game definitely has a lot of similarities, similarities like those like two classic arcade games. So definitely worth checking out.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, pretty much the exact same thing that uh, Greg just said. It's a great game, and the you know we've been talking a lot. Like I'm gonna rehash pretty much, but the the violence that we've been talking about is is there. It's it's prevalent, you know. So I wouldn't give it to like your little young kids, but I would say anyone, you know, even as early as eight or nine, maybe even ten, would be able to at least recognize that it's it's a very cartoonish humor. You know, it's there's no like spines being ripped out of people's bodies, and you know, well actually. There's some pretty close stuff to that, but
1: <laughs>
0: it's 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 just executed in a way that you can tell is just less. What's the word I'm looking for? It's just less intense, I suppose mm-hmm. you could say, and as, as far as violence and gore goes, it's a very intense game, but not because of the gore.
1: Right. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Yeah. So I think I probably said everything I can say about this game. It's definitely worth playing. Like, uh, playing like you know like either check out the Super NES version, um, or if you want to get more like. Um, you know, or check out like one of the more recent, like recent, like um, you know, arcade release, your arcade collection releases. Like you want to experience it, you know, experience it like, in its true twin sex shooter form. Uh, you know, but either way, either version of the game is a great way to play it. So definitely. Or check. build
0: a mame cabinet. That's your other option.
1: Yeah. If you have the money and the space, and the space to go through that, yeah, that's an option too, I suppose. Yeah. But, um, um, so I think you already pretty much said most of your final thoughts, Christian. But anything else? That you, that you, that you is so there anything else that you want to like say about the game?
0: No, that's pretty much it. Buy it, play it, love it, and <laughs> tell everybody how awesome it is. Hmm.
1: Um, are there any equivalent games like this? Like, like this came out in the links. Uh, like, for example, do any, you know, anything that has kind of like maybe the same like gameplay style, like, or, or do anything similar to it?
0: Oh, as far as in my collection, there's not really. There's a couple. I mean, the only other games that I would even say are close are shmups. Um, there's uh, it's not really a top-down shooter but, if and it's not really violent either, but um, I guess it's there's a, uh, let me think for a second. It's, it's hard because Smash TV is such a unique game, you mm-hmm. know, it's such a unique game style I don't want to, there's, there's, it's really hard to pick a game in particular that's it's very close, Um um I know I'm drawing this out here because I can't think <laughs> of a good example. I'm sorry. Um That's okay. You have to say you... lemmings. Lemmings oh. is it? No, no. no. <laughs> well,
1: lemmings does kind of require a lot of a uh a lot of a uh, puzzle su- puzzle having
0: that kind of stuff with it. Oh, so, man. But, but, um... <laughs> We're really going to stretch that one out. Um, I suppose if you wanted, it, it comes off just as cheesy, but if you've ever played Zybots before, it has a very, very Oh, Zybots cheesy... I love, yes. Yeah, yeah, Zybots is is what I would say has the closest, um, the same kind of attitude, I would say. It's a very cheesy game, very, very cheeky. Right. You know, There's not as many pop culture references. There are actually quite a few pop culture yeah, references, yeah. but there's not as many blatant movie references and things like that. Um but I would say, if you like this, um, maybe Zybots on the links would be something up your alley for the same kind of attitude.
1: Right. Uh, yep, uh, there was one last thing that I wanted to say that I just like thought about. Uh, we talked about the difficulty level of, like this game for in the past. This game is, in normal mode, pretty difficult. I've qualified it probably... Well, because normal difficulty is Super NES... Uh, duplicates the arcade difficulty, and of course in the arcade they want you to you know, they want you to put money like in the machine uh, mm-hmm. to keep playing, just so like to make money. So um, if you've not played this game before, um, besides you know besides starting out in easy mode, I don't see a shame or difficulty, a shame or uh, shame or a um, or stand against you if you want to play this like an emulation, like in use save states. Because if you use save states, you'll be able to save the game as you come in each room and like find out what works best against certain enemies in that room and you know what's the best way to approach it, and especially against bosses. Uh, being able to use save states to be able to figure out the best way to attack bosses and which parts to take out first and how best to approach them can really save you a lot of the uh, grief, and, grief and time later on. So nowadays, um, I have no problem if you want to go out there and... It, I mean, no, and it's kind of like, and, and it's like cheat a little bit that way uh, with save states to get the hang of the game at first. You know, obviously once you get used to the game and can actually make it through a level, uh, I want to continue, then you don't want to do that. But um, I think, I think, I think why use uh, but I think just use of save states could really cut, you know, really, could, could really cut down on your, on your aggravation and frustration
0: and increase your
1: enjoyment of the game.
0: Hey, if, if I was able to use save states back in the Ferg, I probably would have been able to beat the hard <laughs> mode right now. So I go for it. Use save states. Get 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 good at this game. <laughs> um,
1: so yeah, we mentioned earlier before that the Lynx was another one of those classic uh, classic gaming systems that was hand me down for you. Um, what made you decide to like launch a Lynx podcast? uh were you inspired by seeing that uh, list on shinto's website about the like all the systems that didn't have podcasts
0: well without going into you know too long of a story i have done a couple podcasts before this um my other big hobby is uh automotive racing actually i do okay. autocross and yep. i i'm involved in uh, the the local drifting scene and things oh, okay, like that yeah, cool. so right. i'm not i'm not involved as much as i used to be unfortunately but uh I have done two other podcasts before this, based off of the automotive world, and they're both long gone now. They're both <laughs> off iTunes already. Um, both were discontinued because of some issues with co-hosts wanting to race more and podcast less. So, yeah. um, th- and I can't blame them for that by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, I was I I got back into retro gaming again because I got this new job and I had less time to you know work at the shop. So. Right. decided I'd pick up retro gaming some more because I kind of put it on the back burner for a bit and um, I, I I ran into Ferg's podcast and let me just say I started listening to Ferg's podcast which actually today I've officially caught up on every single episode of his show so that, <laughs> I know yeah that took a long yeah. time for me but... oh it's it's yeah it's been it's been quite a while it's been every day at work listening to the podcast while I'm working. Yep, same here. Because the kind of job I work at, um,
1: I, I you know I listen. You know, I'm able to listen. To, I'm able to listen to podcasts like most of the day, and just like you know, I, I need to study diet of a, uh, a podcast to listen to. So that's that's what I said earlier. The more retro gaming podcast out there, the better. I mean, especially for a system that I really don't have any direct experience or you know, experience of history on. You know, like I'm really looking forward to it just because of the fact that my experiences of the links are very, very limited. I never had one, I, I haven't owned most of the, um, uh, um, never played one like more than like 10 minutes. Uh. You know, have almost zero knowledge of the knowledge of the system. So, um, you know, like you know, with all these with all these with all these virtual with, with all these with all these retro gaming podcasts coming out recently in the last several months, it's really been great because, like you know, not only do I have more podcasts to listen to at work, it, it's also been great as far as like you know, being able to learn more, learning more about learning more about these systems, the systems and the good and bad things about them, history and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and and also, I would just like to say, I'd like to thank Phil uh... phil the no swear gamer from the atari 7800 game by game podcast and uh... shinto from the atari jaguar game by game podcast those two were probably right after Ferg the biggest influences on me starting this podcast uh, mm. mainly through phil because i was able to send in audio submissions and realize how much i miss doing it and then when shinto <laughs> finally committed i said all right maybe maybe i should stop being a weenie about it and finally <laughs> just get back into it
1: you know uh. So uh, do you have a co-host for that podcast or are you doing it solo? Uh,
0: I'm doing it solo, but I am not um, – I'm going to do most of the episodes solo. But if somebody wants to come on for any episode that they have any opinions about or maybe if they just want to come on for like a listener interview segment or something like that, I'd totally be open to that idea.
1: You can you can, you can, can play the fifth on this question if you want to. But I'm just kind of like curious just to kind of wrap up the discussion like a little bit um, because I'm very curious th- – curious curious, know this myself, coming from somebody with a very, very limited knowledge, of, like about the knowledge, like about the links and the, the links in the game library for it. Um, and um and this is a two-part question, and you and um, and it may be the same uh, answer to both parts. Um, I'm curious to hear what your what your favorite Links game is, and what game you think best shows off the system. If it, it, like somebody was to pick up a Links right now in 2015 and be like. What is the what is what is what is the showcase game for the system to, sh- to show up? What it can do, uh, what game would you
0: s- you, you, what game to tell them? Well, I think the, you know, I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be the same two games. I can think of two games that could go into that spot, um, but definitely Lemmings fits in both of those categories. That Lemmings is such a fantastic port. It is one of the best ports of Lemmings, Every, everything is there from the original, nothing is held back, the graphics look great, the Game Boy couldn't have even come close to putting out the same level of detail that the links did, so I feel like if, if I was to give somebody this game, I would say, here play Lemmings, it's an amazing game, it looks good, it, 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 it is artistically uh, retro, you know, you can tell that they were working very well with what they were given with the hardware. So uh, they were definitely looking forward at this and saying, okay, how can we make this look as good as we can for a long time to come? And, uh, you know, I mean, we just talked about it earlier. Zybots and is a really good game, too. And uh, I'll go ahead and throw one more in. California Games. It, mm, it's really yeah. simple, but, man, is it fun. California Games is just great, except for the skateboarding. God, I hate the skateboarding. <laughs> Was that
1: game packed in with the links? But it was
0: packed in with the Model 2 links. Okay, alright. Yes, it was not packed in with the Model 1, it's, unless, it may have been towards the end of the lifespan of the Lynx, but when the Model 1 first came out, it was not packed in with California Games.
1: Yeah, that's right, I forgot, the Lynx came out with a major revision half of its life. Uh, yes, it
0: did. The, major,
1: the major, major changes, if I remember correctly, was a smaller footprint, and the sound
0: quality was improved, like, a little bit. Uh, yeah. actually it took a it took kind of a hit the the Turned model one okay. had, right. yeah the model one had a much bigger speaker so the model 2 model 2 speaker is smaller and uh, is less boomy for sure
1: plus the layout of the control is a little bit different on model 2 also right I think yeah it, it's yeah.
0: it's it's slightly different and that yeah. that's mainly due to the compact nature of the model 2 but I carry my model 2 around in a little compact case wherever I go just like someone would carry their DS so right. yeah it's a uh, it's it's my preferred model for sure.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Actually, Xyobot and Lemmings is one of the few games I have played on the Lynx in a limited ten minutes time frame time frame I talked about earlier. You're right about Lemmings being an excellent port, uh, and Xyobots did not get very many home ports. I think the Lynx was the Lynx was really the only home console port I can think of. Uh, that's
0: that's the only one I can think of as well. Yeah, yeah
1: so, which, is, which is such a
0: weird system, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a great game, but it's so mm. weird that they would pick the links of all systems, you know?
1: Plus they actually, plus they actually give that game a proper end in the Lynx, right? Because the arcade game didn't have a, the arcade game didn't have an ending.
0: Yeah, but, the the Lynx does have an ending.
1: Which is great, I love the fact how they actually oh. put an ending on the game, so... But.
0: And I, I don't want to spoil that for anybody so but yes it is it is a very you, you should play through Zybots <laughs> but,
1: yeah. yeah um so uh episode one is like a podcast is going to be out shortly Saturday okay
0: yeah, I'm um, almost done with uh finalizing uh the recording i just it'll be Wednesday the 6, 16th.
1: so yeah. listeners like listeners by the time this podcast comes out. Episode 1 of the Links Game by Game podcast like will be available for your like for your like for your listening consumption uh, and we're going to find the podcast out.
0: You can find it at com, or you can search on iTunes for the Atari Links Game by Game podcast. You can also find me on the Retro Junkies network. Smart choice starting out. At-
1: Starting out with Libsyn, like, I wish I'd done that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna take the Feedburner and archive.org route, like I did with my other podcasts, but I just decided just it, it's worth the money, you know. Mm-hmm. Just put out a good show, good high quality, have all the all the bandwidth I need, and just pay it for it, you know. We should do kind of a
1: cross promotion contest
0: later on, later down the road for like you know like one of those
1: games. That got, like got released on both the Super NES like, and the Lynx. Like, for example, like I know that Miss Pac-Man came out with the Lynx. Yes. Uh, so,
0: so There's a Rampage port for Super Nintendo as well. A, very good, uh, yes. a very good port. Yeah, uh, I think I have it in my collection, actually. Yeah, Rampage,
1: the game, I want to cover later on also, because Rampage also came out in 1990, actually. Uh, the, you had the option, the Super NES version of the game, of playing in the kind of pseudo-3D viewpoint, if you want to, or kind of like, you know, which um, is Mode 7. To kind of like go around the the playfield, um, but uh, as you as you play the game, like you know that mode can like you're a classic mode. So I really yeah. like I really like how they have the choice of those two modes in the in the game. The Super NES version of the game, like, like my, the is definitely is definitely my is definitely is definitely my go-to version of. I like that
0: game to play, so... Yeah, the Lynx version is very polarizing, only because it's very zoomed in. The, the overall gameplay is very, very similar, but it's it's very zoomed in on the well, character. Well,
1: handheld games are often zoomed in, because they had to, because it's handheld yeah. system, but...
0: Yeah, exactly. But it does make for nice, big monster sprites, and you climb up the buildings, and everything mm-hmm. looks really good, so... Yeah. I I, I, tip, I very much like it, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should totally work on something like that. Cool. And... Just a fair, you know, I'm not going to be counting episode one towards this, but, you know, it would be really, really awesome if someone would do a giveaway for a Model 2 links for those people who could never have one. But I don't know who that would be, and you totally wouldn't need to send in a text and audio submission to get yourself into the drawing. But, you know, just throwing that out there.
1: Um, we're talking about a refurbished a refurbished uh, links here, right? Because I've heard horror stories. I've heard horror stories like about the uh, the, the caps on links like uh, like like failing these days at like a pretty like you know great rate.
0: Uh, if it does break, I know how to fix it, and I can fix it, <laughs> it for you if you ship it back. I've replaced the screen on my model too, so um, I mean, yeah, I've, I can pretty much bring those things back from the dead at this point. You know, capacitors, all that jazz. But uh, so yeah, so.
1: Yeah, so last question. What is it working it working like links to go for these days? What you one you what would not expect to pay for it?
0: Um, you know, in my area in the wild, uh, if you go to like a flea market, you can get them from anywhere to 50 to 60. If you get them at like a a, a, t- a retro video game store, it's going to be usually around 80, 85. Online, if you get it for a steal, you can usually I mean, the lowest I've ever seen them go for recently is about 45 and that's just because someone got really lucky on a buy it now (laughs) Uh, that that rarely happens so you expect to send spend somewhere around 60 dollars for a lynx and uh you know these things have held up pretty good i've had quite a few um i've given a few to friends repaired a couple and sold them uh they hold up pretty well usually the only thing that goes wrong is um if you plug. for some reason people like to plug the the um power into the headphone jack, and let the sound stops working. Let, let's just, hmm. it that way. yeah, so if you ever have one that the sound just doesn't work at all, usually that's what happened because I haven't had one that's had a problem with the uh, the screen yet. Only one of mine has had a problem with the capacitor, and that was because well, that was my fault, because I left it out in the hot sun all the time as a child, so. That sounds that sounds kind of similar to the problem that the Jaguar had, where people can
1: accidentally use the wrong type of uh, polarity on it and blow it. The- I can blow the fuse out.
0: Yeah, they they they, ne- they never learn, you know. Yeah, t-
1: yeah. Atari made some very curious, curious de- design decisions like in their life. That's for sure. So, but
0: oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Christian, it was great have you on the podcast, and hopefully, we'll be able to have you on at some point. At some point, in some point in the future, like um, you know, like another game. Um, you have expressed interest in. You have expressed interest in appearing on the uh, on the uh, on the game draft episode we're doing. we're doing like about a month, so like um, hopefully, like hopefully, like hopefully that we'll be able to talk to you then.
0: Oh yeah, I'd love to be there.
1: But uh, so uh, thank you again very much for coming on the podcast. I think I really appreciate it. Um, I do not know what next episode of this podcast is going to be featuring because these episodes are kind of being released a little bit out of order. So uh, please follow the social media sites to find out to find out what our next game is going to be. Um, we have a very active presence presence on Facebook. Uh, you can also send me an email directly uh, directly to uh, my email address at um, at the SNES Podcast at Yahoo.com. Um, and a Shinto's hub website also has uh, a Twitter link for like Alessandro and some other like ways to contact us, and also like an also direct RSS feed. We currently do not have all of our, our past episodes uploaded on our Libsyn feed yet. Uh, we are working on it. I I do apologize. We should be able to get all this yeah. like all this past episodes up there like pretty soon. Uh, uh, pretty soon. There's just only so much storage uh, storage a month we can allocate, so that's why I said it to you earlier you're making a wise choice starting off with of Lipson.
0: <laughs> Come on, Greg. I'm trying to listen to that whole back catalog, and you're killing me here. Well, you most, know?
1: Of the, <laughs> most of the episodes are up. There's about 10 yeah. episodes. Uh, as of right now, recording this in mid-September, there's about 10 episodes. There are 10 episodes that are not yet up currently. Uh, and if you're looking for an episode, uh, please feel free to contact me, because uh, by the time this episode is released upon sites site like we be taking down, um, I'm going uh, to probably... Play around to see if I can upload some uh, some more episodes soon. I just want to leave enough storage space to be able to upload uh, the one or two episodes coming out. You know, coming out this month, so. Um, oh yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, but, uh, yep. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you again, everybody out there, like for support and like an appreciation. Um, uh, please give us a rating and review on iTunes if you can. We had to. We had We had to unfortunately. Uh, we had to unfortunately. We had to unfortunately start us. Th- but. Th- th- Oh, there's our new feed, so we don't. As so we currently don't have any uh, ratings, ratings or reviews on there, so, we, so if you take, so if we take a minute and please drop us um, a, a, an iTunes feedback or rating, we'd very much appreciate it. Actually, um, you
0: just got a five-star review.
1: Oh, great! Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'll be sure to give you one when I listen to your first episode. It's uh, your first episode, um, so uh, because uh, I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, I've enjoyed the. Um, I've enjoyed the, pod- path the podcast submissions that you've sent in to Phil for the 700 podcast recently, and just a uh, um, and you definitely and uh, it makes sense to you have a podcast experience because it sounds like you do. So for somebody well, like so you. Uh, like like somebody so young to have such an experienced um, mannerism with being able to conduct po- uh, um, uh, podcast is very like very impressive. So I'm sure your podcast think like, would do very very well. So
0: I appreciate the kind words. Um,
1: so uh, thank you. So uh, thank you again for being on the podcast with me, Christian. uh, And thank you again for everybody out there for listening, like listening episode, and uh, and, uh, go check out this game, uh, by all means. So uh, thank you again, and take care.
0: Bye. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter
1: how you play the game, or which game you play, Things definitely have come a long way
0: since Pac-Man.
1: Now you're playing with power.
0: Deep power.